Welcome to Women Leading the Way Radio Show, where each time you'll hear from successful women CEOs, executives, and professionals, where we'll discover how they do what they do to be successful in business. We'll be interviewing women who have overcome big challenges, women who have incredible stories of lessons learned in dealing with adversity. We'll even interview women who have started and grown successful organizations and women who are C-level executives with unique talents and positions. Our goal is to bring successful businesswomen together to share how they're leading the way in business today. Welcome to Women Lead Radio, brought to you by Connected Women of Influence. I'm Lisa McNeely. My pronouns are she, her, and I'm your host for Spotlight on Recruiting. Our show today is college graduation and new job, now what? We've brought back Carson McNeely from our past episode, College Interns Are an Asset to Your Company, Want to Know How to Attract Them. Um, So I have to say um, that, Carson, this show is one of the most replayed shows um, that that, um, we have, uh, and the insights that um, you and your college um, friends uh, provided were both um, for both employers and students were really great. So I'm really excited that we have Carson back um, to be giving us our insights today on the internship experience as well as lessons learned during her post-college job hunt. So Carson, welcome back to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me back. I'm excited to be here. So for the listeners who don't know Carson, I'm just going to give a brief like intro on Carson. So Carson graduated in May of 2023 from University of California, Berkeley, with a double major in psychology, nutritional science, with a focus on physiology and metabolism. Uh, Carson is now working with a company in the food industry, uh, and it's one of her dream employers, actually, which is fantastic. Um, so I'm so excited to be able to have um, Carson here and have her share her journey from internship to full-time employee. Um, and it's not an easy task. Um, and I know, you know, that we have, as far as our listeners, you know, we have, um, you know, business owners and we have recruiters and, you know, we have people who are job seekers and, you know, just women in business. Um, and I don't know if a, a lot of them know, like, just finding a job can be difficult, but I don't know if many know that like nearly 50% of college graduates are still unemployed six months after graduation. So it's definitely a struggle um, to find that job and to land a dream one. Well, that's fantastic. So I think let's, I mean, just right out of the gate, my first question, Carson, let's talk just briefly about your internships because that was our last episode. You were, you and uh, Vanessa and Danny were out looking for what your internships were be. So let's, let's talk about that real quick. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, when I was in college, I did two internships. Um, one was right after my uh, sophomore year, and I was an intern for a really early stage startup uh, food company. Um, as I got to work directly with the CEO, I was doing research on consumers, other businesses, reading research articles, um, trying to figure out what products we could sell, what would be the best kind of business model um, for that, which I, and I learned a whole bunch I'm about startups and business world and thinking quickly on your feet and sorting through a whole bunch of information. Um, so I had a really fun time doing that. And then after my junior year, um, I actually found a position in a research lab uh, where I was also able to learn a lot. Um, it was a sleep lab, so uh, it was overnight. 
and a lot of times it was usually just me, maybe me and one other person. So again, thinking really quickly on your feet, being able to solve problems really quickly when maybe you're not functioning at 100% at 3 in the morning, um, and making sure, being really detail-oriented, making sure all the data is looking correct, being able to talk with people, have long conversations while you're um, working in the lab with people you've never met before and wanting to have a positive experience for everyone involved. So I also learned a lot in that as well. Good. How, just um, how did you find, um, if you recall, because I know it's been some time now, um, how did you find your um, the research, um, the well, I guess let's say for the research lab, let's start there. How did you find that role? Um, that role, actually, I took a class um, by the professor who ran the lab, um, and I emailed him uh, saying, hey, I, I really loved your class, and I think this topic is really interesting, and I'd love to help in um, your research, and kind of talked about his book and what I learned in his class. Um, and then I ended up getting an interview with uh, the lab manager and one of the researchers and went from there. So some proactive outreach. And then the internship you had between your sophomore and junior year, how did you, how did you find that one? Um, I found that one actually through networking. Um, someone I uh, know knew the CEO who was starting this new company and connected us about our passion for food and health. Um, and so we chatted for about 45 minutes on the phone, just talking about different trends and food misinformation and health misinformation and how – the kind of problems could basically kind of within the food system. And then uh, a little bit after that, he mentioned that he was starting this company and thought that I could have some useful insights and be able also to learn a lot. So that was also a really cool opportunity. Yeah. So, I mean, as far as like, you know, um, identifying those, so it was really like proactive outreach. It's who you know almost and networking as well. I mean, um, so yeah, I guess, you know, so for – those roles, and I know that um, when you're looking at like your internships and things, and I think sometimes people struggle of like matching, um, you know, thinking about like the skills, like you know, because for example, a, a sleep lab study. I mean, you really already kind of articulated the skills that you know that internship or project, I guess role. I guess it was actually a role. Um, the skills it brought. But I think, you know, a lot of people have a hard time translating some of that, especially if it doesn't feel like it's related. Um, and it's looking for, like, how are these related skills? And I think that goes for employers as well, is sometimes, that you know, what is transferable and being able to look at a resume or look at an internship or look at something and say, what is transferable skills to this role? So I guess my next question would be, was like, really, Carson, like, what did you acquire from your internships um, as far as the skills? And did these skills help you? in your opinion, help you obtain your current role? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so my first internship was um, kind of still in the industry, so I learned a lot about the food industry and different companies and different strategy aspects, which really helped me um, in my current role. And then uh, I love how you mentioned about the, the research position. Yeah, it's a very different industry. It's research. It's sleep. I don't work in sleep anymore. Um, but there's still a lot of things that you learn that are applicable um, to my current position right now. Um, one of them is data. I, my day-to-day -day now, I go through data all the time, um, a whole bunch of it. And in my research position, we had a, whole, a lot of data as well. Um, and you had to go through the data, make sure it was correct, be checking on it. You have to be really detail-oriented. That was a huge thing. If something 
looks weird, you have to be able to recognize that that doesn't seem right, figure out what's going wrong, and fix it within five, ten minutes um, so that you don't skew uh, data basically for the whole night. Um, so that was detail-oriented. Um, Problem-solving skills also really developed. Like I said, a lot of times I was by myself. So if uh, an electrode fell off, if the computer ran out of space, if um, and really if anything happened, you had to be able to think really quickly on your feet and solve the problem, which I think is applicable in a lot of roles. You have to be able to problem solve, you have to be able to think critically, and you have to be able to be independent and rely on people for help, but also be able to fix problems on your own um, as best you can. Yeah, so good, really good. Um, all right, so um, don't go away. We're gonna we're gonna do a quick um, take a quick sponsor break, but when we come back, um, Carson's gonna talk about like what her what the job hunt looked like and what her strategy was to land this um, dream job that she has. So Women Lead Radio is brought to you today by Connected Women of Influence and our partner, National University. National University is proud to be one of the largest private nonprofit universities founded in 1971. The National University mission is to provide accessible, achievable higher education to adult learners. Today, National University educates students from across the U.S. and around the globe with over 170,000 alumni worldwide. Thank you for your support, National University, and to all of our sponsors and partners. Okay, so we're back with um, Carson McNeely, um, and she's sharing what it looks like after college graduation um, for that uh, job hunt for that full-time role. Uh, so, Carson, when did you, um, before you graduated, when did you start your job hunt? I started my job hunt the very beginning of March, um, my senior year, when I started my job hunt. Okay. So about, what, that's about three months, because you graduated in May, it's about three months before graduation. Yeah, about three months before. And honestly, if I was to do it again, I think I would have started earlier. Um, I think it could have helped me a little bit more. Everything worked out, but I think that the big advice I would have for students is to start looking earlier. Um, if I was to do it again. Yeah, good. Um, and then, um, so tell us, like, you know, can you walk through what was your um, job hunt strategy? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, I guess I started in March, and I really started, mostly I was looking on LinkedIn. I had a few companies that I was really interested in, so I was checking their pages, um, some job openings, reading what was open, even if I didn't think, wasn't, maybe it wasn't something I really wanted, I still read the, the job descriptions trying to understand what employers were kind of looking for, um, trying to find what exactly did I want to do, what skill set did I have that I thought would match me with good roles. Um, and then I created a spreadsheet. I'm a very big fan of spreadsheets. Um, so I have a spreadsheet where I put all the jobs I applied to, um, where I have the job description, I have when I applied, what the role is, if I'd heard back, kind of all of that information. Um, and before I applied for jobs, also from looking through the job descriptions, I also um, edited my resume and tried to make sure that the skills that I had, those transferable skills, um, were present in my resume. And I also would edit my resume for each job um, and tailor it a little bit to make sure that the skills I had um, matched what was on the job description, make sure that I thought I was really, really qualified for the role and that I could represent myself well um, through my resume initially. Um, hopefully, but before getting an interview, so kind of the hope. Um, and then I ended up applying to um, over 80 jobs 
um, between March and um, let's see September uh, when I eventually got, when I got my current role. No, good. No, that's fantastic. And I and I know um, just from like um, speaking with you earlier, um, as far as the company that you're working with now. Um, how did you learn about this company initially? Um, I learned about this company through kind of a couple of things. One was um, it actually at school. Um, in my classes, we had someone from the company come and talk about what they do and their process, and I thought that it was really, really amazing. Um, so that's kind of my first initial um, exposure to them. Um, I immediately thought that what they were doing was really awesome. And then from there, I kind of started seeing them in the food industry. So I started seeing them in grocery stores and restaurants, and I thought that the products were really great. And so I went from there. And then during my job hunt, they were one of the companies that I was really, really interested in. So I started checking um, their website pretty much every single week, um, looking at their jobs. Um, and then for, I guess, for other jobs also, I forgot to mention, I, um, starting in March, I would spend um, about an hour and a half a week probably looking and applying for jobs and would spend more time reading those job descriptions. And then once I graduated, um, that now I had a little more time on my hands, so that time was increased to probably about two hours a day uh, looking at job descriptions, working on uh, tailoring my resume to each posting, um, submitting my resume, writing cover letters, all of that. Good. So I want a couple of things that I wanted to just like dive in on that. Um, you know, because from a from a recruitment aspect, um, you know, I love the fact that how you first um, were introduced to this company is they actually came into your classroom um, and did a presentation. Because um, I know that for a recruiting, um, one of the things that we had talked to, uh, you know, when you're looking to attract whether it's employees or you know interns, is one of and I think it's not done that often. And you you can answer this probably better than I can, but. Um, or at least recently, um, is it's such a missed opportunity to not build that relationship from an employer side with um, whether it's a professor or with um, a university or with an association that's on campus, that they have a focus on um, whatever it is that, you know, goals. So, of course, like this one, they're the food industry, so I'm sure it was, you know, one of your, like, probably, I'm guessing, a nutritional science class that you were taking that they came into. Um, Correct. But it's such a, yeah, so it's such a great opportunity for, our, um, I think, for employers um, to build that relationship and, like, your proof to say that, like, hey, they came in, and I don't know at what point they came in, um, but they made such an impression that you kept track of them along the way. Um, and um, so I think, and then from the, you know, looking from the student side, again, a great opportunity if someone comes in, and I don't know if you talked to them or not at that point, um, but if you have someone come into your classroom, um, yeah, after they're done, tell them, great, I think it's great, and how, how can I learn more about your company? Um, and because at the end of the day, you know you're going to be graduating and looking for something. So I think that's um, just really um, like a fantastic thing as far as from an employer side um, and then from your side as well. Um, the other thing I wanted to say is I love that. And I think that I get asked a lot about like career advice um, from um, folks who are looking, you know, for roles and they're like, hey, you know, what can you, what suggestions would you make for me? Um, and one of them is like, hey, well, you have like your basic resume, but every time you apply for a role, your resume is not going to match what that is. And it's your job 
to be able to tell the recruiter or tell the hiring manager these are the skill sets that match your um, the job that you have. Um, and so I like the fact that, you know, it's not that you're, you're changing a lot, you're just tailoring it to make sure it matches and that you're pulling out those transferable skills. So I like that. And I also like the fact that you treat, you were treating your job hunt as like almost what your job was. Um, I think that it can be so frustrating, especially like you, you know, you started in March and it went till September. Um, it's frustrating to, to be doing that every day, but you know, um, I think it does take diligence, and uh, that's a, that's fantastic that um, you know you put that uh, structure, I guess, around it. And the spreadsheet, I love that as well. And the job postings, I can tell you from a recruitment side, um, one of the worst things that um, a candidate can tell me is I call them and that they have applied for a job, and they're asking me, "Can you tell me what job it was, and can you send me the job posting?" Because then, at my then for me, I'm like, oh. I don't know if they really want my job. They just want a job. Um, so I think that's great that you, you know, um, put some, again, I knew what job I applied for. I knew when I applied for it, and I kept the job posting. So um, I think uh, I would say to anybody that's out there looking, that's a great strategy to have. So let's talk yeah, about challenges, Carson. <laughs> yeah. So um, what were the major challenges that you incurred in your job hunt? Um, I think one of the biggest challenges I had was because I I graduated in May um, and a lot of people graduate college in May um, and all of us have similar experience. Um, we're like getting out into the world. And we're all really excited. Um, so I think a lot of job postings that were available for um, recent college graduates were honestly just flooded. Um, with applications. I know a lot of the jobs I applied to had hundreds of applications, uh, which I can't imagine going through that many applications. I think it would be overwhelming. Um, so I think one of the biggest challenges is really trying to make sure that your resume gets through that initial, um, that initial screening, um, which like you had just mentioned, going through and um, tailoring the resume I think really, really helps with that. So I can make sure I have those key terms that what exactly are they looking for make sure it's in my resume as it really stands out. Um, another um, bit of a challenge that I had was it just the process takes a long time. Um, like anything, um, setting up interviews and all that, it takes a long time, um, which can be frustrating, I think, for people on both ends. Um, and then on the same kind of lines as that, a lot of the times you just don't hear back at all. Um, like I said, I applied to over – um, over 80 jobs, and I'd say probably half of them um, I never even heard from. I didn't get uh, I did not even like a rejection letter. So, and since the process can take a long time, I would usually try and hold on to those applications for a few weeks, maybe a month, like kind of hoping, waiting to see if I'd hear anything back. Um, and sometimes I didn't. So that's also a little bit of a challenge because you're still hedging your bets on things um, and you don't know the update. Yeah. So I think. Excuse um, <clears throat> me. As far as um, not hearing back, I think, you know, um, if I was, you know, for any um, recruiters out there, I mean, it's definitely um, understandable um, that it may, you know, one, having patience because it does take a lot of time um, sometimes to get through the process, uh, especially if you get flooded with resumes. Um, I know Absolutely. just from my own experience, like, you know, 
I've had roles where, and I have had colleagues where they have like 800 applications. Um, I myself have had roles where I've had like over 300 applications. So it takes some time to kind of get through all of those applications and then, you know, start the pre-screening process and all of that. Um, but the mere fact of like when you don't hear back from um, an employer is such a horrible candidate experience. Um, and really there's no reason for it, to be quite honest. Um, I, I, you know, and I, I'm going to, you know, probably preach a little bit here. Um, and it's not to say that, um, you know, because if you don't have an applicant tracking system, um, you know, then it does make it harder because you're sending those out individually. Um, but if you have an applicant tracking system, you can batch, you know, those and send the declines. Um, but sometimes it does take you, it may be a month before, um, because you may have just so many people in the process. You have, um, you know, candidates who kind of came late into the game that they look good, but you're like, oh, my gosh, we're almost in final rounds, but we don't want to do something with them um, until, you know, we might have another role come open. And, you know, so there's reasons behind it, but you should definitely hear from, from them. So um, that would be my, my encouragement to everyone. Because my next question would be, those companies that you didn't hear from, Carson, um, how do you feel about them now? Um, I think they're great companies, but I haven't I haven't applied for another role with them. I, I didn't apply to an additional role, um, and I do have a I do I think like a lot of the companies I at least did hear back from um, a lot more just because it made it so I wasn't waiting um, and I was able to kind of keep looking for opportunities, knowing right. if I got yeah. an interview or not. Yeah, yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, so. Um, so when we're talking about, and I, I think, and, you know, I want to just kind of go back to what you had said when we talked to challenges. So we talked about those two things, but the one was like the, it was, the market was flooded with resumes. Um, and I think that kind of goes back to the point that you had said is like you would start earlier because if you are starting earlier, and I think from, um, uh, from the employer side, um, the one thing is, is usually if they're doing, you know, graduates, a lot of times they'll have roles and they're like, we know we're going to target graduates. We know when graduates are applying or um, graduating. Um, like, I think, you know, I think typically it's like a January, December or January graduation, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, and then like, you know, come February through something, um, I mean, that's a great time to start like doing your networking, getting out there, looking for that role. Um, Absolutely. Uh, so yeah, so I think, and, um, and the, again, looking through your resume, making sure those key terms are there. Um, uh, again, um, it's, um, you know, tailoring that resume um, to match the role. Uh, so I think, you know, um, one of the things that you had talked to me about um, when we had, we had spoke earlier is um, imposter syndrome. And, um, that um, that there was times that you kind of kind of suffered from imposter syndrome, and I think just in general we all go through that. And I wanted to just um, kind of have you tell me like a little bit more about that because I think it would be beneficial for our listeners, um, not only for candidates that are applying, but also for um, you know employers as well. So can you talk to that? Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, imposter syndrome, I think, is really, really common. Um, it's common for students in college. I think it's common for um, people working in, you know, full-time jobs. Uh, and it's really just kind of feeling like people are have things more put together than you do, or maybe some, you feel like you don't have as much experience as other people. 
Um, and it's really a big mental thing. I think that can be a big mental block um, for people, and me included. Um, but what I really learned with that is you, you have to kind of understand that everyone feels it, and everyone is kind of faking it until they make it. Um, not everyone has everything put together. Not everyone has absolutely all the experience. Um, and a lot of times for college students, I think one of the things that I, I mean, that I would share in interviews that I bring to the table is like, I just graduated college, but I am super excited. I'm creative. I can bring a new perspective to the company and a new role. Um, and I'm excited to change the status quo. I'm excited to push boundaries and excited to kind of like get my foot in the door and really get started on things. And so even though I might not have had as much experience as other people, um, I could bring other skills um, to the table, and which is one of the things that helped me um, get my current position. So I, that's advice you know, that I gave people um, in college and that I would give people now is to really be confident in yourself, go through your resume, think about your transferable skills. And um, along with that, I think something that helps too in interviews, uh, similar to like keeping your job descriptions, before an interview, go through the job description, look at what you're going to be doing and the requirements. And I would think of an example or a story of where I showed that I could do that requirement, that I showed I could deliver that skill. Um, and then I was able to share that in my interviews, which also I think really helped just kind of prepping, helped my confidence um, to go into the interviews, and then also helped me show that I have experience and that I have skills that I can bring to the table. Yeah, no, I think that's good. And I think um, that was one of the things that uh, I know when we were talking about imposter syndrome, so I'm glad that you um, brought up, um, you know, prepping for the interview. Because I do think, you know, like I said, we all run into it. And especially, you know, because there are some of the job sites that say, you know, X number of people have applied for this job, which I will just say this, um, sometimes that it's, it's an assumption of how many, because that could be based on that they clicked through. That doesn't mean they actually hit submit, because the, the platform may not know that it was actually submitted. So I'm just going to put that out there, that if you see 100 people applied for this role, um, don't not apply for it, because you see that there was 100 people, because it might not have really been 100 people. It could have been like 50, but 50 of them got all the way to the end and then like bailed. Um, so I, I'm just going to put that out there. But how do you, um, you know, the question is like, how do you compare to like 300 other people or 800 other people? Um, and I think that's when that kind of imposter syndrome starts to creep in. Um, so I think your advice is, you know, um, is really good. Um, and I think, you know, prepping is really one way to help, you know, get over that as well. Um, and um, one of the things that you had said is, you know, you, were, you looked at what they were asking for, um, you had researched the company, um, and then you thought about, like, what are the questions that they're going to ask me? And then what stories or examples really do I have that are going to be able to show um, that I can do this? Because, you know, most of our interviews are going to be behavior-based. Um, uh, and I would say to any hiring manager or recruiter out there, if you're not using a behavior, at least one or two behavioral-based questions, um, you know, it's, um, you know, past behavior is uh, a predictor of future behavior. Um, and so if you have, you know, think about those questions, you're just more prepared. Um, and it's not to say that you're rehearsing. It's just we get nervous. Um, and when we get nervous, yeah. 
Um, so it's, you know, just being prepared. And I will say, like, I, we prepare for radio shows. We, I prepare for them because I get nervous. So <laughs> um, it's, you know, prepping for that just ahead of time. Um, so, um, and, and I think, you know, the other thing is, and, and I'm sure that you did this as well, is, you know, to do mock interviews um, and find someone, whether it's a parent, a friend, um, they don't even need to know what the role is but just someone that you can do a mock interview with. Um, and I'm going to guess that you did some mock interviews, Carson? I, I did. I did do some mock interviews, <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I guess, you know, I know that um, there's so much that we didn't even cover that I would, I would, I would love to have dived in on. Um, but I think, you know, if you um, could give one or two pieces of advice to a current college student who's looking um, to graduate, or anyone, it doesn't even need to be a college student, anyone who is um, looking for their next full-time role, what would the, that advice be? Uh, I think one of the things you touched on a lot is make sure you tailor your resume and prep for the interviews to make sure you stand out. I think that's huge. Um, and then the other one is just be confident in yourself. If you are applying for roles and you think, I'm not good enough, then you're setting yourself up um, for failure. You're already going to have that in your head. So if you go in with an open mind and think, I can absolutely do this role, I can do it well, that's going to come across in your resume. It's going to come across in your interviews. And I think that um, hopefully like your future employers will also see that and it will help you a lot. Very good. Very good. Um, and I think when you, we talk about resumes, I just have to add this one other thing in there. Um, for your resumes, don't just tell me what you did. Tell me how you did it better and, or what you achieved or how you excelled. Um, achievement-based statements uh, go a long way versus there's a very big difference between, you know, um, I worked in a research lab versus I worked in a research lab handling X amount of data. Right. So that would be right. my, uh, my tip that I would throw out there as well. Um, all right, well, um, that is our show for today. So, Carson, thank you for sharing your insights, and congratulations again on your graduation and your new role. Um, I think I'm, um, I know that the listeners that we have, hopefully they've, they've, they've gained a little bit of an insight um, and also some of the struggles, but, hey, you know what? Um, uh, if you just, you know, keep at it, have some structure, um, have some confidence, um, be prepared, you know, good things will come. I want to give a special thanks to all our listeners, both in the U.S. and internationally. You can listen to more Women Lead Radio on Apple or Google Podcasts, Spotify, or iHeartRadio. We'll be back again for another Women Lead Radio show each Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific and Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific. The next Spotlight on Recruiting will be April 8th. Until then, to all our job seekers, our recruiters, and our hiring managers, happy hunting and good luck. Women Leading the Way is produced by Connected Women of Influence, the premier private membership organization where like-focused, business-to-business executive and professional women connect, collaborate, and cultivate a vast network of high-level affiliations, resources, and professional relationships. For more information about Connected Women of Influence, please visit our website at connectedwomenofinfluence.com.